Verdadores. A dedicated dad and long-distance parent, I'm raising two boys in two countries, and in each episode, I invite another dad to join me in a podcast adventure to talk about our journey as parents. We will discuss the messiness of modern dadding and the challenges of long-distance parenting. At the end of each episode, I will be checking in with psychologist and fellow dad Todd Kettner as he shares his insights into parenthood. My name is Blue, and I am a Dad Without Borders. So today I'm talking to Carl Jacks, who's an extreme kayaker and nurse. It's a really fun conversation. Carl has a great energy and lots of quirky, funny stories to share. We talk about him turning his back on the sport that he loves, his new passions and interests. We talk about the importance of remembering who you are. Uh, And in this case, relating that to a man cave, we talk about risk and raising kids, amongst other things. It's super fun conversation. I apologize about the sound at my end. My mic wasn't set up very well. But yeah, it's a fun conversation. So please enjoy. Mr. Carl Jacks, thanks so much for jumping in on this podcast here. Really appreciate you making the time. No problem. Yeah, I'm stoked to catch up actually, because... I don't know what year it was, but it was 10 years ago-ish that I was yeah. living living in Balakula running a guiding company. And I had met you before in the Kootenays, but we ran into each other up there. And the cool thing was, was I was putting on that mountain festival, yep. the VIMP, Vancouver International Mountain Festival. And you were in one of the movies, or at least one. I feel like I've seen you a couple of times. So you, at that time, you were training to be a nurse and you were totally like freewheeling kayak on top of the roof living the dream <laughs> well yeah i uh it was 2009 uh, bella coola i it was kind of the, my heyday of uh my paddling adventures for sure and uh it uh the next year following year 2010 i finished my nursing program uh at a selkirk and uh i uh, ended up in vernon for way longer than planned, but my, my partner, Jessica, who I'm still with today, the mother of these two little, uh, boys, or dare I say, uh, beasts, um, <laughs> ages, uh, four and a half, well, five and nine, let's say they both got birthdays in the coming weeks here. Oh yeah. Um, so we were in Vernon for, oh, three years, maybe. Um, she was working there and, uh, I was still pursuing kayaking, of course. So Vernon wasn't really my chosen base as it's not really the, the center of my activity. Uh, uh I was more into the creeks and canyons and mossy, uh, woods, uh, that the Kootenays offered. So right. yeah, yeah. eventually we fought, uh, made a, made a relocation to new Denver. Um, I had been working after school in cusp. Caslow, New Denver, kind of rotating between the three sites uh, on a casual basis with my RN shifts and um, eventually just settled in New Denver just for being central to everything and not too far down the road from where I grew up in South Slocan area. And um, from there on out, you know, kids eventually followed. Uh, which was not really a planned uh, adventure, you could say, but uh, oh, yeah. So, did you had you already settled and bought a house and made that your home? No, before? oh, no, you hadn't. We, 
Yeah, we were um, we were we were renting in Farinan and and you know with intentions to move to the Kootenays eventually, and and we started kind of our look uh, look around for for housing. Um, prior to kids, but uh, kids really expedited the process. Right. Uh, finding something large enough, large enough for, for all of us. And we're, you know, tall, big, large, loud people. So <laughs> it was <laughs> two boys in the mix now. So we needed something with some space and privacy. We were, we were renting in Vernon, or sorry, in New Denver for a few uh, years in a tiny little house and there's not a lot of housing out this area so we kind of lucked out and found the one thing that worked for us after it sat on the market for a while and it turned out to be yeah, a real fixer upper and now it kind of married to the house and uh raising yeah, kids here and i know that one so oh, did you that, i'm just yeah. wondering do you so was it a when the kid when the number one was on the way so you're nine-year-old now yeah and what's his name arlo arlo so when arlo's he's on the way is was that the moment where i don't want to say panic set in but that you were like okay we have to buy a house we got like this is it like that was the was that a big jump at that point we, well we were still in vernon at the time when arlo came along oh, okay we, uh yeah. we had a home birth actually and it we, we had a decent sized house there not bad little place uh, an older house uh in east hill area they call it which is kind of the heritage part of vernon and um you know, at that time, we, I mean, eventually we wanted to get out of Vernon. We just didn't know when it was going to happen. So when the three of us moved to New Denver, we were in this little rental for a while. Uh, it was, it was when second kid came along also unplanned. That's when things, uh, yeah, we had to get the hell out. It, we were, we were, you know, in a tiny little place, let's say that. Right. Okay. And, and yeah. the garage was bigger than the house. So, right. <laughs> uh, which is where I spent most of my time, I'd think in that first few years as a dad, but I, uh, regardless, um, yeah, when the second kid came along, we needed some space and right. that, you know, you, you, you try to do the tiny home thing, whatever, you know, you think, Oh, other people are doing it. You know, they're buying these little places. <laughs> I don't know how, I'm sorry. There's no, there needs to be a follow-up documentary on people that <laughs> try to live the tiny home. Yeah. Hey, you wonder, eh? how long yeah, does it actually last? How long does that dream go? Ridiculous philosophy. So yeah, we're in a, now we're in a bit of a larger home where, you know, it's just more space to clear. Right. Up, and you've been, up. you've been there for a while now. You've pretty settled um, it. Yeah, the place we're in now here, we bought in what was it, 2017. And, uh, you know, we were doing oh, yeah. the classic, uh, you know, big house, big yard kind of, you know, lots of room to nice. hide out. And, Sounds great. Uh, yeah, yeah. So, and I think if I remember, I have a feeling it's the one with the kayaks outside the front. It's got to be. You bet. Yeah, That's I know it. that place. Way That's way a nice spot. People. Uh, how to find me I'd just look for the dead kayaks hanging off trees from the side right. of the highway totally so. the, that past life so, yeah. which brings me to my my next thought here which is before you were a dad like i definitely saw you as a kayaker like how important or how big a part of that was your life was that very much your sense of identity was being the kayaker yeah i i mean kayaking was at the time when i became uh, a new dad for sure i was my identity definitely centered around extreme adventure uh you know putting the kayak on the roof and going away for a weekend or a week or two go down to the states you know go to vancouver island wherever right and it, living out of the back of a truck or a tent 
next to the river and catching water the next day. And I, um, I loved it. I, it, it's a small community, uh, whitewater paddling. So, you know, you kind of know everyone doing it from here to, you know, the, the east side of the Rockies, you know, within a year or two, you, you feel like you've met every paddler out there. And um, to, uh, to suddenly become a parent in that essence, you know, it, it was, it was like, okay, the next adventure for sure. I didn't know what it was going to be, of course. And I was still very attached to kayaking when I became a, a parent. And I, you know, it's a real tug of war, I guess, uh, between my identity as uh, this, yeah, freewheeling, as you say, you know, and a vehicle that uh, was ready to go at any moment's notice, packed bags, you know, and and now suddenly there's a, a screaming mouth to feed and, and, a, and a wife yeah. that has uh, got a lot of, you know, concerns, of course, about where I'm heading out and, you know, where she comes into the mix as a parent yeah. too. So, so is she like often people get together that have the same interests. So um, is she also a kayaker? Is that how you guys met or? Yeah, she was into paddling when we met. Um, that quickly changed when uh, her and I tried to paddle together because I, you know, naturally terrified her a few times, and it didn't really work on the water that well. And then, of course, when parenting entered uh, the scene, it, it took her right out of the picture. So, oh yeah, I, I don't, I don't think she's been in the kayak since. Um, I, what I is a different thing? Points. Like if you compare it to climbing. We were just talking about this. We just watched um, the Real Rock Tour, which is a like a climbing festival, but it's online right now because of the pandemic. So we yep. we were just sitting downstairs watching that earlier today, and uh, I almost had tears in my eyes actually because it just takes me straight back to that community that I was such a big part of my life. Same same sort of thing, living in the back of a van, climbing all summer, in between yep. working, you know, doing the guiding business that I was doing. But that was like. It's just like I was living and breathing it. And I'm glad I had skiing as well because the winter's, you know, kind of a shitty time if you climb. There's not a lot of climbing going on. But um, but yeah, I was really kind of going back to that place. But we would, but my point being, what I was thinking about that is we were talking about, oh, next summer's gonna be great. We'll have more freedom and flexibility because um our youngest is gonna be two and a half. I guess he's just a bit more robust and we can leave him with people. But with climbing, you can, you know, the missus can climb, you know, whatever she wants to climb. And I can kind of choose another route on the crag that suits me. But kayaking has got to be a different, that's a different ball game, right? Kayaking, as, as we like to call it, there's a lot of faffing about. It's, you can never just leave the house and say, I'll be back in three hours. We're just going to go <laughs> paddle the river right, down the yeah. road, you know, because <laughs> it, it, it instantly turns into some other random adventure while you're on the river. You know, someone comes out of their kayak or gets out to take a piss or something and slips and loses their gear in the water and you're chasing paddles or boats whatever or injuries you name it or, or a vehicle with keys that suddenly at the top of the river and you're at the bottom and I, you know i it, it's just too many unplanned adventures become part of the actual plans to go right. kayaking and uh I, for that reason there's a lot of angry people at the end of it usually your family i don't know i don't understand why but uh <laughs> I, so <laughs> yeah 
it, I'll be back it, in two hours and then yeah. eight hours later. It's probably eight the same hours as going. later. Yeah, I, I said two hours. We were actually only paddling two hours. They didn't mention the other uh, six hours of dicking around. <laughs> but uh, and that I mean, that definitely interfered with uh, being able to get away freely and, and you know, keep everyone cool yeah. with the plans. Um, I mean, because 99 percent of the paddlers I'm out there with aren't tied to any responsibility they don't have kids no no totally different yeah i mean I, I can happily say a few of my good friends are now dadded out and some of them you know right away when i became a parent at the same time uh and then a few more since then and um and it's funny to watch their transition because it's uh it's similar to how mine went you're kind of still really active into paddling for the first year or two and then you slowly disappear from the scene and these guys are now feeling the pinch, you know, as their kids get older and get more involved with other activities. So, Which, yeah. So, I, but what about introducing them? Like, how achievable is it to get those kids into kayaking? In a oh, way, yeah. you, maybe you step back and you're not doing the, you know, dropping the big waterfalls at the same time, but yeah. building them up to learn that passion that you have to then maybe when they're older, do some of that stuff with you. Like, is that a realistic thing or? It is. I, I, I mean, I, the, the gear that's available. I mean, in every sport now is, is entirely, a, you know, catered to kids at, and it's, you know, professional level equipment yet uh, that you can size up to children. So, um, I mean, the, stepping back, of course, and, you know, from the extreme, I, the extreme stuff, I'm not really attached to anymore. Um, I, um, I, I guess, you know, you, you want to show the kids that you, you, you live this culture, you know, uh, of the sport and, uh, and what you did, you know, whether it be photos or video and, and elements to get them excited on it, but, uh, you know, trying not to push them too. Right. Cause it's probably, I think every parent's biggest, uh, fear is to, to have kids that don't want to do what dad does, you know? Yeah. <laughs> and, oh yeah. hundred percent. So I, I, and yet you don't want to be that guy that's pushing them and just setting them up for, you know, further upset or you've set yourself up really. And so I, I haven't pushed my kids into kayaking as much as I initially intended to. I, I oh, interesting. tried a bit with the first kid, Arlo, yeah. you know, and, you know, we got the kids kayak, got all the gear and found it, you know, put them in it and, flipped him over in the lake, you know, and all that shit. And he's, he's, he right away, I could tell, I don't think he's going to dig it. You know, you get that sense just from what oh, I yeah? used, to, used to instruct, you know, whether they're too young or it's just how he and I interact as father and son already, it's challenging enough. You know, I can't even get this kid to clean up his room. So I'm going to teach him to, uh, yeah. you know, roll a kayak. So for sure. And I, I think for me, I it's patience, right. And being more patient, seeing if they come to me one day and ask, Hey, you know, maybe I want to learn how to kayak now and, and work off of that. Um, and that might not happen until 12, 13, 14, who knows? I, I, I can't yeah. put a timeline on it, but I'm happy to be there if they want to learn at some point, but I, I've right. come to the realization that I, I'm, I don't want to be that pushy dad, but, uh, yeah, I yeah. agree. It's good to meet the kids where they're at with whatever they're into, but at the same time, I don't know. Yeah. I, I'm not quite there yet with, with climbing. I sort of accepted and being an instructor for years too, I realized, you know what, like he's not even going to get close to anything realistically till he's like nine, 10, 11, mm. because under that age, it's just limited what they can do. 
And so just if we had a huge indoor sense climbing center, I think things like that would be really accessible. But but that's part of the thing too, is like what's on your doorstep? Yeah. Yeah. I'm being realistic about that. Paddling and paddling. I mean, most paddlers tend to learn in a swimming pool, right? And unfortunately, New Denver doesn't have that option. So we're you know, to drive down to the, the pool, if they're going to offer pool sessions or something, we, we did it a little bit with one of the kids and, uh, yeah. or, or Arlo, he, sorry, I can never remember because my wife was taking him down and, and, you know, he got into it then, but it's, yeah, I, uh, limited in the sense that if they're going to learn to do this sport, it's unfortunately in cold water up here. And, yeah. uh, and that's a huge deterrent for anyone, you know, for not, sure. Yeah. So, even myself, yeah. God, I'm the guy having to stand in the water next to the kid the whole time. So, <laughs> so I mean, aside from kayaking, mm-hmm. how was the transition into being a parent for you? Was it an easy, it, easy yeah, or how'd that go down? It, it's, I'm still learning, man. I, I there's, uh, you know, uh, the transition. There's no, you don't have any previous experience to it, right? So you're, you're constantly tailoring things to how you would approach it just like anything new and and then adapting as you go along because you're dealing with another person you know that's also learning how to be a person and and so yeah there's there's a lot of uh you know you got to be spontaneous and and creative and and not you know patience like i said earlier patience is key um and i'm an impatient person so <laughs> i i definitely had to learn how to slow down and uh you know and i'm still i can't at all slow down i mean but i i've taken things at kid pace as we call them you know if you're going to go for a walk be prepared for it to only last for 30 minutes and 200 meters from the house right when yeah Back in the day, a walk was like, yeah, I'll be gone till dark, you know, and hike 15 kilometers, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it, it's it's an adaptive process. And um, so did you, yeah. did you, uh, your, when you're coming into that, like number one with Arlo, what are you doing? Are you reading books? Are you reaching out to other dads? Or are you just in sort of panic mode and just kind of survival, figuring it out as you make mistakes? I, yeah, definitely the latter. I, I, I've, <laughs> there's, there's plenty of books kicking around the house. I don't think I've thumbed through any of them, but <laughs> yeah, I, I'm on, I'm on that same page or not. I'm not on page. It's well, I don't, the book thing's funny. Cause they tell you, someone will always suggest a book. I don't know how many times people have said, Oh, you, Oh, you're having a hard time talking to your kids. Oh, you, Oh, you got boys. Oh, you know, you're going through this and that here. I got this great book you should read. It's like, you know, I just finished explaining how little time I have for anything, but yeah, I'll read a 400 page book on how to parent my kid. That sounds great. So, so yeah, it, no, it's fly by the seat of your pants. You know, unfortunately a lot of shouting and, uh, <laughs> and uh, slamming doors and stuff, but I, um, I I re- reached out to other dads for sure. And, you know, when you're, and that's not like just asking questions. It's just talking with them, you know, oh man, oh, this is not, you know, and sure. they can all identify. Every parent can identify with another parent, no matter yeah. what. They've been there. They've done the diaper changes. They've done the late nights, you know, and whatever is, is, that rings true with parenting. Um, 
so we can all identify you instantly become you know part of a new culture and a new family of uh, other dads other other moms everything that are they're there willing to help and, and share in their sorrows you know or <laughs> but, but you, um what's the community up in new denver like are there many young families around and dads yeah yeah we're actually we got a really good supportive uh family network up here and that's that's been a real key to the community especially with uh without having child care options right and when you're right. stuck you know whether I, i'm shift working at the hospital and my wife is now working quite a bit and working a fair amount of uh you know variety of jobs so Lots of times where you got a kid that's uh, needing someone to look after him for a bit, or they can go home with someone else. Um, and that, uh, that, I mean, as a parent, you got to reach out, you got to find out who your, your safety net is and uh, who's willing to help. Because if you don't, you're going to, you're going to get crushed real quick. And yeah. I, I've seen it with other families, new families that come to the area that are real, a little reluctant to, to, you know, ask for help. Uh, even when people are offering it all the time, Hey, you know, if you ever run into something, you know, let me look after your kids. Um, and it's, you know, of course it's, it's a friendship that you can try to build with these people and whether you want to or not. Um, but yeah, identity. there's uh, that commonality though, isn't it? When you got kids with someone else, I've heard other people say, Oh yeah. I was friends with those guys for a bit. Cause we both had the same age kids, but once yeah. the kids are kind of grown up, you kind of move on, but it's nice to have that. Yeah, that's sort of like baseline sort of community. Yeah, I yeah the identifying with other parents. Um, I mean, we we're all we all go through it unless there's some real heavy challenge going on, and that does happen. We have a couple of friends we have where you know, the, unfortunately, the child has disabilities or any kind of thing that can really make a, an extra challenge to the parenting level. Um, we've offered help there, but it's they're they're you know, whether they're willing to take it or not, because they, they don't want to burden anyone. Right. And I think right. for my partner and I, that was the thing. I was like, well, you know, we, sh these are our kids. We got to put our time in. We shouldn't have to pass them on to other people and burden them. So, but uh, eventually yeah. you, you got to reach out or else you're going to lose it. And the poor kids are going to take the brunt of it. I think you're right. Well, the other thing too is why I find it really helps when you got somebody else around that can take the kid, whether it be grandma or we have a grandma down the road and aunt. But just time for the like relationship too, like that's something that we've been lacking a little bit for a while. But we're just sort of shifting now. We went up to the ski hill yesterday for opening day, okay. and my partner said she has, and my wife said she hasn't had a a pass for a couple of years because of you know having a baby and whatnot so pumped she was so pumped to get up there she's like this okay. is the happiest i've ever been up here this uh, is so great it was awesome yeah i you know that's something i think most couples can say as they're adapting to being parents you know i, I think we're we're all lacking time with each other um you know as far as a, a, a loving couple that we once were <laughs> it's the kids are the wedge between us at all times so finding time for ourselves um and unfortunately you know usually if we get that time and we got no kids in the house we we both go and do our own things right as opposed yeah. to them together right yeah, but yeah. uh yeah i you know i wish i could say my parents were more capable of taking the kids uh they are now that the kids are older they're willing to extend that but fortunately covid is kind of filled their uh, heads with fear so there's a little bit of a challenge there uh, 
and then uh, my wife's parents are back east, so they're not uh, available at our disposal. They'd probably be more likely to take my kids uh, when needed, but yeah, right. a bit of a distance there. So, so what do you do if you when you need that release? What are you doing if you're not kayaking? Like, how do you make time for you? Oh, outdoors uh, or music. Uh, man, I've been playing lots of guitar last few months, um, drums. I got a little music space here that uh, fills up my time on the dark days for sure. Mountain biking is uh, a big passion of mine. I did a lot of that for many years before kayaking and it's good to get back on the bike again because uh, well, for the most part, the exercise that your body craves. Um, kayaking, you know, again, faffing about, right? A lot of uh, so it's the time, time and, commitment. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and it's, it's a partner sport, you know, you just can't run out and race down the river when it's high without anyone else to, to be there. It, uh, so I, I've kind of turned my back on paddling for now and that, that was a hard decision to make, but I, I, wow. And it wasn't was that a really gradual thing then it was gradual. It just became more of a tug of war all the time between the sport and, and my energy for it and the ability to, get out and do it so instead of fighting it in my head and i just realized i gotta find other outlets it, it's you know it was it, all or nothing was how i approached it before and now it's like well kayaking whatever I mean, yeah the rivers aren't I, going anywhere <laughs> so yeah that's true enough eh like yeah i i totally relate to that actually it's the tug of war in your head yeah and that that's a big one i found that a really big one with climbing and even if i went and i boulder a lot, which is something you can do on your own, but I'd almost get guilty after two hours bouldering. I'd feel like, oh, are they okay? Do they need me? Is it okay I'm out here? And then if I wasn't doing it, I'd be worried, like, when am I going to get to do it? Can I do it Saturday? I don't know. It was just, it felt too much. It wasn't fun. It was, it was fun when I was doing it, actually. I felt, always felt better for doing it. But at the same time, there was that, yeah, internal tug of war, which yeah. just seemed like wasted energy. Yeah. Yeah, I, ultimately you're out to recreate, you know, you're burning off stress or getting out in touch with the elements, whatever it be. And, and if, you, if you can't release your mind from your home duties, <laughs> yeah. then really, you know, is it going to make that outdoor time any more fun than it really is? So I, uh, I don't know. I mean, I just seeking other things. I got many interests in my life and that, you know, those interests I always knew would come back at some point, like music, for instance, it, it was always going to be there. Um, so it's a real pleasure to be picking up a guitar and playing for hours now and not have a care in the world and, you know, zero stress, right? And um, is this in your man cave? Do you have a space? I say I man do. cave. But yeah, you know yeah. I mean. Oh, yeah. It was it was actually kind of what made the, the purchase of this house a, a breaking point. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. So, yeah, I... I dedicated uh most of last year getting that space together because i i realized i i needed something dire and quick because uh well, kids were crawling into every other part of the house you know every counter surface everything's got oh, leg yeah. or something plastic some figure yeah. crafts or whatever on everywhere everywhere the bathroom the 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 kitchen table, the ca kitchen counters, it's, it's kids. <laughs> yeah, kid, they, they do get everywhere. I need a door in the basement. The basement's my spot where I have a, I have a bouldering cave. 
So okay. a climbing, climbing wall and a, and a skateboard. And, oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, it's it's great. You know what it was for me is trying to keep up. I'm okay with dropping some activities, but I do need to keep up the, the strength, at least with climbing, because if you lose yep. that as you get older, it's hard to come back. So I've been trying to – so I've been really successful at, you know, keeping that going. But uh, you need a space. You need a bit of time in a day to yourself. It uh, the, the man cave idea, I mean, it sounds like, you know, a cliche thing, but I, I think men, I mean, they really do come from a background of, you know, they can, they can hermit out for a while and be happy, you know, in a way, you know, especially when they're in a relationship, but they need that space themselves, that thinking space and somewhere to turn the tunes up or take a puff or whatever it be. Right. And, and, yeah. and to just be alone in their thoughts. And it was really actually another dad that I play music with that, that influenced me to get my space together. And his words were, you know, like, cause his room is unbelievable. It's, it's a, it's another, you know, music space, a jam room. Oh, cool. And it, it's everything from his life in music. Cause he was quite the musician, uh, all compiled and put up on the walls and hanging and, you know, stickers and posters and everything, uh, lava lamps, lighting, you know, smoke machines, whatever. And it's his memory of who he was. Right. And all oh, wow. of his life. So, and he, he really spoke to that, you know, like you need this, this is, you know, it's, this is me. You got to build your room, man, like who you are. And everything. that's true. I got all that stuff kept away in shoe boxes here and there. And I used to have it hanging up in various rentals over the years and, four kids and packed it up and moved it to the next place right now then kids come along it all stayed in boxes and you know some of it went missing who knows but I, to have it all out again and put old photos on the walls like it's such a, a trip down you know the memory lane so to speak and it really That's is sweet gratifying it's a you know all the chapters of your life come together when you got that cave space to to throw it up and remind you and then hey if you got a couple guitar amps and a drum kit in there it's even better so <laughs> <laughs> i that's so funny you said actually cuz i so my office and where i do the podcast it's actually my my biggest kids room who's in the uk for most of the year but he comes here in holidays we split the holiday time and I've just been buying a whole bunch of, I know what it is. I just wanted to put these like posters from my childhood and from my era. Like I've been getting a uh, retro star Wars posters. Oh, right on. Them. Yeah. I just kind of like just doing the decor in a way that he will appreciate, but it's also me extending a little bit of, you know, my personality into his room, but in a sort of fun boyish kind of way. Yeah. I, and I've been enjoying it. Cause I, yeah, I hadn't thought about that, but it's like, yeah, make it, it's true. Make it your own. You just, it feels like a nice space to come into and just like ground out and just have you. Yeah. Just be you, I guess. It, well, it's your identity. Yeah. And it, it is important because we give that up, you know, when we become a parent and you're suddenly it's a new identity that you don't really know. You know, I have no, you're attached to it, but you're completely separate from it because there's no textbook for it for you well there's a bunch of books people will lend you but you know we don't read those right so, <laughs> exactly but, but regardless <laughs> it, it uh, that identity of your own self that the 30 years or whatever you had before you became a parent you know to to look at it as boxes of crap now that are in the back of the basement you know yeah <laughs> it's, 
so yeah, bring it out, you know, show these kids who you were and who dad is. Cause the kids only know you as dad and, and the little aspects of who you are, you know, when you put a, some music on in the car and drive down the highway, they, you know, Oh, I like this band. I've, I've listened to him since I was a teenager. What do you guys think of it? You know? And that's, that's a little glimmer that. yeah. of hope that they dig the music, you know, oh, well come into my space. I got a whole bunch of CDs <laughs> and records to show you, you know, and Oh, here's totally. some posters on the wall. And, I, I think for every uh, father figure out there, you know, it, if they've lost touch with their previous identity, then they're going to be a little lost as a parent because it, uh, your kids are, they're going to, they're growing up to be like you, right? They, yeah. as much as you don't realize it, they, they are a spitting image of ourselves and yeah. they take everything on that uh, whatever dad was doing, you know, and, you know, next thing they're taking discs from your collection or your favorite t-shirt or whatever and taking it to school i don't know and that it's yeah, yeah. cool as a parent to live through that and see that and actually did you do that with your did you have the same with your parent because i remember my dad he had all the original beatles records and simon and garfunkel all that kind of stuff yeah and i did exactly that i would steal them and take them off to college oh yeah no i i i'm sitting on most of my dad's vinyl here at my place and uh I, bunch of his music gear actually that he's happily handed over i mean thousands of dollars in guitars and stuff that i am pretty honored to own uh it uh yeah i i i have a lot to think thank my dad for you know when i think of it and, and I, my dad was a pretty cool kid he was he really was a big kid right in, in many ways and you know unfortunately it was kind of the 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 argument between him and my mom who separated right because he was still kind of in rock band phase and doing all that when when we were young kids he was out gigging and jamming on most nights right so wow. leaving my mom to put us to bed and we were you know my brother sister and i three of us pretty wild house right so right it uh you know and he was the bad boy you know my mom talked down about it all the time because he was gone in the evenings when right. you know he should be at home reading us a book and yeah, yeah my mom worked all day and came home and had to do the the parenting duties of putting us uh you know he would feed us cook for food do the dinners and and lunches and stuff but um you know, it really after 7 p.m. he was gone doing rock and roll world. And we always wondered what it was like. And, you know, here I am years later. Now I'm still into music and I got my dad to thank for that. Yeah, that's kind of that's cool. I mean, you said, yeah, you picked up the mantle there for sure. Yeah. Um. So thinking about your dad then is how much of an imp impact was your upbringing on how you're doing the raising of your boys? Is it good? Uh, like wholesome? Can it, is it similar? Like is, you were raising the Cooneys and there's definitely a. That's definitely a parenting approach for a lot of people here, which is pretty feral. Lots of activities, nature. Yeah, we, I mean, I think that the biggest challenge for us now as parents and what our parents didn't have to face is, you know, the elements of screen media and, and you know, being a former filmmaker, you know, I should be embracing it, but it drives me freaking crazy it really does uh the kids are always fighting over some screen that you know we've left out on the table whether it be a cell phone or a, you know the laptop or tablet god whatever you know they all have a purpose for something you know cooking meals and you got the recipe open on your tablet and your your screen on your cell phone's lighting up because someone's texting you and yeah, it's it's <laughs> 
So our parents, you know, we didn't, they didn't have that element. It was either CBC radio and the evening news, you know, and maybe a, an hour of television after that for before bed. But um, my dad, his, you know, his big thing was music. Uh, he wasn't as active into the, the sports so much. So he kind of left it up to us to, to find, you know, adventure on our bikes or, or skis, eventually snowboarding, whatever, skateboarding, a lot of that. And uh, growing up rurally at, uh, we had an outdoors playground, right? You can go yeah. for miles and, and no one cared. No one really worried where you were. You just had to be home before dark, right? Um, so, so I- Did you I, have I, a lot of freedom then as a kid? Yeah, yeah. Oh, tons of freedom. And, and you know, there was a lack of fear out there with parents, uh, you know, what, what the kids were up to. You, they didn't care if you were, you know, 10 kilometers down the highway on your skateboard, right? <laughs> which is what we used to do we'd, uh, in Cecil Can, we'd, you know, down by the river or whatever. We had our fair share of terrifying stories that we came home with on occasion, you know, whether a friend nearly drowned in the river or we lost the dog and don't know where he is. <laughs> but uh, the, um, you know, I try to try to get the kids nowadays, you know, let them know that, you know, we have all this still, it's still there. It hasn't changed all that much. And the, the woods, the, the trails, the creek, you know, and show them safely how to, to play in these environments, but uh, go out there let it, Oh, Mostly you have, the, you have that trust. Yeah, yeah. Give them the that trust. trust. I think it's been, you know, slowly stripped from us as parents in this day and age. Like to let your kids out of your sight is a is bad parenting, right? You know, they'll turn on you. Someone someone will turn you in for neglect because your kids went down to the store and you didn't know or something. Yeah, I, I, and that's it's unfortunate, but uh, the, the kind of elements of of challenge we meet now that uh you know in a fear-driven world so, so i what i've yeah. been so i've been thinking about this right because we're in slow can super safe it's i mean there's <laughs> depends who to who's thinking about this because in the uk you tell them there's bears around and wolves and cougars that's not a safe environment but we know that it is and we have a big flat town as there's, yeah. there's a there's we got good boundaries we've got a highway on one side a river on the other lake at one end but i'm kind of grappling with this at what age and seth for example he's seven like at what age am i okay with that and i haven't i haven't figured that out yet like did you have an age where you were like oh yeah i'm good now the kids because you got a nine-year-old right yeah I'm, i've been pushing the nine-year-old you know like we he's not on the bus route so i gotta walk him to school every day which is just down the hill i mean literally yeah. 400 meters not that far but he needs that coddling to get down to the school and back. And so I, you know, I've tried to tell him, you know, he, this is the age you can do this on your own, man. You can ride your bike back and forth. I don't, I don't care. You know how to, you know how the highway works, you know where the safe zones are. And uh, I, they're a little reluctant to, so eventually it'll happen. I know the younger one, you know, turning five now, he's a little, it's a little soon for him, but uh, I, it, it's also up to the kid and how comfortable they are. Obviously. Yeah. For sure. Guiding him into that process where, you know, you can, if you want to see your friend, he's down on the other side of take your bike, ride down there. You know how to get there. You know, I, I feel, I trust you that you can get there safely. Right. And, yeah. And yeah. hoping, you know, you can see how they respond to that. And, but I, the kids, like, like I said, they grow up in this world now where, you know, everyone's terrified and, and yet, you know, our, our, 
our world isn't that different from what we had as kids in terms of safety. It's you probably know, it's, traffic. That'd be really the biggest thing is the speed and the, the yeah. The I mean, the highways are. I don't know. I when I grew up in Sausalcan on on uh, the highway there. I mean, I that highway's changed a lot up here. I don't know. There's not a lot of You're traffic. Right. Right? So yeah, no that summertime, yeah, it, mind you, it's summertime different scene. But uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You no want to give that trust to the kids that they and by eight nine years old they they know they definitely know you know and they tell you that. I know dad, uh, but, yeah. uh, I do want to start seeing, you know, I would love to see where they go out on their own and start walking the trails that are farther from the house. And, and, uh, I would, I yeah. would by eight, I feel pretty good about it. I, I think I was allowed to wander off down the road into the, into the forest. And so we, I was raised in sort of agricultural, so farming country mm-hmm. and it was probably, seven eight yeah i think that'd be about right where we would we could go off but we could usually hear one of the parents shouting outside the front of the house and that was when we knew to go back for dinner or for lunch it's like you know dinner's ready and you just hear actually my friend jason his mom had a louder voice so yeah. she just she just defaulted to her but you could hear him and so we weren't that too we weren't that far away and uh i like i think it's good that they just learn how to make good choices yeah. And you got to give them that trust, right? They, the kids want to know that they're on the right path and that my parents are letting me go down to so-and-so's house on my own. You know, I, they should take a little honor with that. I should, I, I would th- I hope, I think as, as someone trying to encourage it. Um, yeah. But it seems like they're, I don't know. It's funny. Cause that's, you know, the, the, the struggle we have now as parents is when they're not taking that, you know, advice or that encouragement and uh, they still need that helping hand and boys, I don't know, maybe it's a boys thing and boys are a little, you know, you definitely see it. They're a little less mature than, than young girls oh, their yeah. age. So yeah. maybe they need that extra That's helping hand. I don't know. But, but I do uh, feel like their risk management is very different when they don't have a, somebody looking over their shoulder Yeah, as well. So I think when you're not there, they're probably actually going to make better choices than they would if you were there anyway. Just like up up the hill watching them, they're just like they're going to do something goofy on the river that they might not do otherwise. Yeah. So given that, here's here's another thought I was having was, um, do you feel like do you and um, mum, boys mum, have similar parenting philosophies in term in in respect of, you know when are they okay to go off on their own and things like that? Are you guys pretty good match in that sense? Or is that something that you have to work with? Uh, (laughs) I I obviously hesitant. Uh, I think, you know, I'm more willing being from a risk-taking environment that I used to surround myself in. I, right. Right. I'm probably, you know, quicker to push the kids towards doing something risky or, more independent than my partner and yet she knows she grew up rurally she had the long walks to school or you know as an example and and being playing in the woods you know down by the creek with her sister or whatever so i i would think that we come from similar backgrounds um but i yeah her and i we might not quite always meet on the same level but uh she definitely takes more a responsible approach to things <laughs> so i Having, I'll, I'll give her that i mean yeah keeps me in check you know i've definitely yeah, yeah. been uh, guilty of some ridiculous ideas or or <laughs> you know 
driving around town with no seatbelts on, you know, stuff right. like that, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, I'll, edit, I'll edit that bit out. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but the thing is, too, I think, like, I think of taking, like, Seth, for example, he was skiing since the age of two. And like some parents just think, would think that's nuts. Like, what are you thinking taking two year old? But with a lot of these sports, as you know, there is, there's a whole like risk management part of it and equipment and having good equipment and knowing, yeah, I think the first thing I taught him was how to stop. I didn't teach him how to go down. I was just like, this is how we're going to stop every time. Or I guess with kayaking, can be a little different if it goes wrong on the river. But, um, but in generally speaking, oh, here's a, here's a story I'll share with you. And uh, this is me as a open canoe white water coach years ago. I haven't done it for a long time, but I get, but I get out on the canoe and we go camping and stuff, but we just went down the slow cam river and I went with a friend of mine and we all, I did a full brief. We all had the gear on, we've got life jackets on, or sorry, the kids have, I've got a buoyancy aid on. So if the kids fall out, you know, they're good. They're floating. I taught them how to swim. Well, swim but like yeah how to be when they're if they're in the water or, you yeah. know, feed up and do all the right things and unexpectedly we came out of the canoe and i was <laughs> it was just an unfortunate one wave that came and swamped us just way i lost my phone never got that back the canoe ended up you know 5k down the river we found oh, it man, wow. right? but we all took a swim but there it was a safe adventure but it was definitely it was at their limit in terms of like oh yeah like, well i'm swimming now what the and uh but it will but at the same time it was a great learning experience because they understand there's no argument now about putting a life jacket on there's no argument about putting a buoyancy on they understand that there's actually yep. safety drills you have to think about before you get on the river so while at the same time as i was <laughs> that was a really unexpected adventure it was also something that i think they really learned a lot from that experience and and they did it with their parent you know they did it with the dads we were there as the safety net essentially and swim the very excitedly now looking back the boys can tell stories and you know we've all, we got it on video as well um with them <laughs> woo and yeah and they were just so pumped but the water and the water's warm as you know it's uh it's it was like 35 degrees out so it was like oh yeah we got yeah. out and we're just we're dry within a minute but um yeah it was definitely yeah that was a little surprising well, yeah, I think that's, yeah, it's a great way to relate and, you know, especially dangers, uh, you know, or situations and yeah, I can, I mean, oh man, I can, I don't know how many stories I have that are similar that, you know, pick one, right? Like hiking into canyons with the, the boys or the one boy or, you know, and losing the dog and, and literally like, you know, <laughs> we had um, a mountain bike injury on a trip to silver star with my friend who is about to become a new dad he's a new dad now uh you know and we had to spend the night because he got put up in the hospital with surgery on his collarbone he shattered Ooh. it so bad on the mountain and there i was with my boy and you know we had no plans to spend the night we barely brought enough equipment and you know he slept in the truck in some field and out of town and yeah just you know showing you know, the I mean, it wasn't directly related to us, but it, it you know, that these are inherent risks with, uh, you know, any kind of activity we do, whether it be biking or kayaking. We haven't had those big river adventures yet. We've done some paddling as a family, but nothing uh, that we can say it relates to swamping a boat yet. But uh, lots come, of uh, 
mountain experiences, you know, out in bad weather and, you know, and showing them how to prepare for these things. And then it actually happening, you know, being huddled under a rock with lightning all around you on an exposed area, uh, high up on the Alpine, you know, all those kind of things. And that's, it does, I, I don't know, we, we like to pack a bag, always have a, you know, there are our safety kit or, uh, you know, I've shown the kids that, you know, what would you need if you had to run from this house, you know, what would you pack in, in 20 minutes you have get it together now and it's, you know, surprising what they bring, you know, a lot of Lego and uh, very little uh, stuff you can eat but they, they've since reversed on that now it's, you know, all about the layers and first aid <laughs> and awesome. warmth and, you know, it was fire starter stuff like that so and uh, I like that yeah. game I want to play that like that game. I think we'll do. Oh yeah, I'll yeah. do it with the whole it, family. Yeah, no, it, it, prep preparedness, right? Preparedness, or, or you know, you got to run. What do you do? What do you grab? It's a good one. You have the little adventure kit ready at the door. Um, you know, even yeah. to now, my older boy, he's always packing that bag when we when we go out on a hike or somewhere. He loves to bring his survival kit. You know, That's he's got so a knife and lighter in there and it uh yeah it's well it just it teaches them resilience too right and did some volunteer ski patrol over the years and one of the other ski patrols he was telling me uh younger guy that his dad who's like a, i think he's a well-known guide in the area his dad would bury his christmas presents in the snow each <laughs> one would have a transceiver attached to it and he would have to find his presence with this transceiver oh, yeah, as if he was like in an avalanche kind of thing and i just i don't i love that I think it's great for kids to have this kind of resilience and adapt, but just learning, a, you know, that ability to adapt as well yeah. into situations yeah. they weren't expecting. It, uh, well, I, I, Hey, creativity. I mean, the mind is an amazing thing, right? You come up with any idea and, and they, you know, and that's a way for to attach those uh, interests that we have that we might have to shelve a bit as a parent and bring them into the, the mix a little and, you know, I haven't quite figured out how to mix the river in other than we, we talk about the river all the time when we're out walking along it or the creeks and showing them where the safe spots are. You know, if you suddenly became someone that was swimming on this uh, piece of water here, where would you get out or, you know, what an eddy is and what never to do, never put your feet down in fast moving water, stuff like that, right? So, and the kids all have that. I mean, my kids anyway, and they show their friends, I tell them, you know, like springtime you know, kids want to go down to the creek and check out high water events I, i've taken them to all those events torrential flood and they know what's safe right versus them bringing a friend that has no clue and seeing them trying to you know get a stick that's right on the edge of the water in a dangerous spot or something and uh, yeah it's you know hopefully my kids can take those elements of learning and share them with others and uh be a bit of a leader in that essence so totally well that's probably what maybe where some of your trust comes from too right like you've, yeah. you've been putting that work in and i have too since he was probably the older one seth since he was three like going camping and teaching him how the safety of a stove and a fire and what equipment to have yeah i think with that they start to just make good choices i think they look at the world maybe slightly differently i like to think that anyway um so have you got any defining moments as a dad? I just I just shared you one with mine. Yeah. One of my ones for sure. But yeah, have you got any any moments where you're like, oh yeah, this dad stuff's all right? Oh I you know, I, there's moments 
when you have those days that are just it started with no plan and then they just quickly roll into the the greatest day ever whether it be a you know we're gonna go berry picking or something like you know and you discover a new trail or or an animal trail and it takes you back into the woods and you find an old as my kids are screaming in the background here so, uh <laughs> You, you find yeah there's a defining moment uh shouting at my kids but, um yeah i you know when you're all kind of discovering something together and you know and you realize that you're all vulnerable to to the world around us and you know life is about learning and and sharing experiences for sure and and so you know, any time that I can do that with my kids without any expectations is it's a good day being a parent, you know, and, and, and of course, with, without any confrontation between the two brothers and, and myself, <laughs> which is never ending is you're really just a referee most days. Um, but I, I mean, it comes, it comes all the time with these guys, you know, I love the unexpected and spontaneous, you know, we try to make do of getting the dog out and going on new adventures all over the place. And, you know, we try not to turn home until something has happened, you know, whether it's a viewpoint or something we found or, or uh, whatever. And something that can bring a story home to mom or, or amongst ourselves at the table. And, uh, those those you know they're they're not every day that it happens so you're you're you don't know when the next one might be you're all in between those kind of experiences but um yeah i love, I love that i like the um i like the unexpected thing and to i have to be mindful of the expectations so i think that's a good reminder for me actually i sometimes load myself up with i got to do this trip and that trip and we got to float the river we've got to get to this mountain we're going yeah. to climb we're going to and sometimes you're right it's good just to grab the bag and just get out it i actually yeah thinking about it like just this past summer you know we did a, a two nights on the lake canoeing and um here at slocan lake and intended to start from a certain point and paddle to the certain locations and camp and it didn't happen in the way we wanted because of weather. Uh, we left later and wind on the lake and we ended up sleeping, camping on all these off zones to where we were with timing. And it totally left us kind of like, well, now what? Because, you know, we aren't at the beach where the trail was to hike or whatever, but it, it led to a lot of downtime, just chilling, you know, playing on the rocks, napping in the sun. And, oh, it was fabulous. It was actually... <laughs> uh you know again unexpected adventure right and the kids had a blast you know we camped at one spot which had a an old cabin on that we never knew existed um and uh yeah it just it led to a, a whole new adventure you know and we started out with expectations and yet yeah boom it was and i ended up towing a paddling a whitewater kayak towing another whitewater kayak full of all the gear while my wife was in a canoe with the kids about half a kilometer ahead of me the whole time. So <laughs> when, I, when I own a perfectly good 16 foot touring kayak, which would have, you know, been great on the lake, but no, I wasn't in that. I was in a whitewater boat for 
10 you kilometers bet. of shoreline. So it was horror, horrible paddling experience for me, but, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but it was a great family experience, but That's it was a one. great time. Yeah. Yeah. I can't complain. So, yeah. So if you had to, um, I can, cause I know the kids are in the background. They probably, they need a referee right now. I can sense it. Well, they're upstairs. Uh, <laughs> Let my wife deal with that one. Yeah. <laughs> I hear tears and everything. I don't know. They're fighting over something as always. <laughs> Uh, so, but what advice would you have for an expectant father? Like if you could pin it down to a few words, what do you think you could lend a, to somebody going into this experience? Well, <laughs> there's, you know, and it's, it's all hand-me-downs probably from, from other parents, you know, that were a little further along in it. And it's that, you know, nothing lasts forever. Everything's temporary. You know, you're in the, you're in the worst of it, whether it's, diaper island you know with a thousand diaper changes a day and you know as a new dad and and uh late nights where the kid is crying and you know it, it's all temporary it, it might be a few months or not but it it will eventually shift hopefully um and i patience man it, it's you know, you're going to strip the, your own ego from, from the picture, you know, the me factor is gone. You know, it's a box of crap in the basement now, right. Until you get that man cave built up again, but regardless, you, you gotta, it's not about you anymore. It's about, you know, the, the element of raising a new human life and doing it with a partner who's also learning to adapt and, oh man, communication, listening, you know, slowing right down to to what it takes to be a parent and yeah patience uh removing your ego and uh man learning that uh nothing lasts forever and 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 to be in the moment right yeah hate this period in time as much as you do or whatever you're doing that it's driving you bonkers with the kids whether you're training them how to use the toilet or, you know, clean up after their, their selves. But we'll eventually change. It'll move to the next level and, you know, don't be in a rush to get there because it's going to come and it does. Time goes by quick too. Holy smokes. Yeah. I feel like someone once said to me, the days go long, but the months yeah. go fast. Yeah. That's, that's right. a good way to put it. Yeah. And next it's gone. You know, you're eight, nine years old now. Right. And, like where did the time go and and it's been a long good haul but wow i you know that eight years soon to be nine here for my older boy and five years for the younger one he's turning five in a in a couple days here it's uh yeah it goes fast it goes right you gotta soak it up and i like yeah i i totally agree with everything you just said and it does change. And I think, you know, I feel like the second time around, it's a little easier because you know the change is going to happen. But I yeah, mean, well, the second one, the kid, I haven't talked much about the second kid because they just unfortunately follow in the path of the wake of the first one. Right? Yeah, <laughs> no doubt. And it's just, uh, yeah, you're right. You're so right on that. The, the, the second kids, are, they're, they're more chill too because they just they have to deal with the older one that's constantly getting yelled at or whatever. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe remember, you got to remember that patience. Yeah, yeah. So I, I, mean, I have different relations with both my boys here and it, uh, me and the second one get along pretty well. I, me and the older one butt heads a lot. And, oh, yeah. But um, that might be the other way around with me. We'll, we'll see. 
I got a pretty, I got a pretty uh, stubborn, awesome, but like headstrong two-year-old. Like, wow. Uh, so yeah, we'll see how that goes. Well, nothing lasts forever, Blue. It, it moves. Yeah. It changes <laughs> <true>. there. <laughs> yeah. And before you know it, you're skiing and biking with him. And that's that's a fun adventure coming up that I'm really No, you won't to. be because you, you pushed them too hard into it. They're doing other things, right? <laughs> yeah, right. They're on the game. They're gaming downstairs yeah, in the basement. Gaming. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, no, I'm joking. <laughs> Hopefully they won't be gaming, right? But I, that's another big thing is trying to resist that path because you know so many kids are they're all doing it they're all doing it and living rurally you can't blame them you know if their parents aren't that outdoorsy the poor kids are on a screen day in and day out and if you don't let them have it they're going to go to the friend's house where they can do it anyway and you can't you can't fight that one so it's uh yeah yeah, definitely tricky business well matt i'm so glad you uh it was super fun chatting um after all these years to have a proper connection and likewise blue i it was good yeah it's uh, always good to hear somebody's uh, somebody else's perspective and you're only up the road too that's right so uh that's we should definitely minutes. we should definitely connect at some point well i really appreciate reaching out and uh yeah for all those dads that are listening or about to be a dad or maybe they're in it you know hey we're all in this together right and uh yeah it, there's difficulties and really we're just big kids in parenting suits right now and you know, getting to be a kid again. That's, that's probably the other thing to share with dads is relearning your youth, man. There's so many things that come back to you as a parent, you know, that you forgot about until you see your kids struggling with it and going through, you know, when they're learning to tie their shoes and picking what clothes they want to wear all week or, or wearing the same clothes all week and thinking, yeah, I guess I did that too. So, yeah. (laughs) And you know what, there's some things that we didn't do maybe too. I did uh, my first, I'd done a couple times before, but downhill mountain biking experience this last summer, which was, I scared my kid and I think I scared myself. Um, But I was where it was an easy trail. It was, it was, it was no swimming in the river. That's for sure. But, uh, (laughs) and skateboarding, which I love. Right on. uh, Yeah. yeah, That's a super fun one too. But yeah, man. Cool. Well, we'll, uh, we'll talk again. Maybe I'll have you uh, on, on season two. Season two. There we go. Yeah, yeah. I'll just uh, yeah, pick up from where we left off, you know, get the kids involved this time and uh, see what they can share. I'm sure that they can speak entirely different stories to all this. So no doubt <laughs> they'll just we'll just prime them to talk about how great their dads are. Yeah, right. <laughs> just buy them some chocolate and a Game Boy. <laughs> and we're in. Right on. Thanks, cool, buddy. Blue. Thank you. OK, Cheers, dude. take care. And now for a check-in with my favorite psychologist and fellow dad, Todd Kettner. So talking to Carl, um, which is always super fun. And, you know, he's the extreme kayaker. Um, I can't quite remember the words that he used, but he's talking about the importance of, you know, having that man space, having that man cave, you know, which is the term that often gets used. But instead of boxing yourself up and putting all your old possessions kind of in those boxes, don't box yourself up. Get that stuff out. Get the posters on the walls. Like, remember who you are. Um, otherwise, you're going to end up in a box getting dusty in the basement, um, you know, in some respect. Uh, and especially because he's given up extreme kayaking, you know, 
so he's i love that he's you know found reignited his passion for music that was inspired by his dad originally and yeah just to really just i love that i love that story there but yeah how i'm kind of interested why why do we always talk about man cave what is it about dudes that we need a man cave as as opposed to we don't hear about the woman cave so much like how important is it to for us to have that space and you know i'm just interested like where does that come from yeah, you're sort of out of my area of expertise, but I'll take a, a manly instead of a psychologically approach to the <laughs> psychologist approach to it. Um, yeah, I think it works for some people, and you know, some people have them, some people don't. And I think probably what's what's part of that is is having some activity and some and some guy time, right? Um, you're talking about these, you know, podcasts. Each of these are you know extraordinary, exquisite. Um, interesting humorous um personal conversations you're having with each of these other dads some of whom you know well some of whom you've met recently and some you've only met electronically or or uh um across distance right and so unless we're really intentional about those kind of conversations either by creating an activity or creating a conversation itself or in the case question you're posing i think creating a space um you know, it, it's not likely to happen. So, um, you know, I think the container might be different uh, for uh, different men. Some it is the physical, you know, basement cave. Some it's, you know, um, some, you know, for, for me and some of my friends, it's the cockpit of the sailboat, right? Uh, um, other times it's the activity of, you know, going up with a bunch of guys to, skiing up busk to the cabin and having chili and whiskey, you know, uh, whatever it is, um, to facilitate conversation um, in ways that we probably otherwise wouldn't. Yeah, I wonder if it's the just thought popped in my head there, you know, and again, just that there is a little bit of a difference, you know, sometimes between, well, Sage, my partner, just use her mm. as a great example. This weekend, she she's going out uh, cross-country skiing with a group of friends and they're just very good at like getting together and talking about, you know, their feelings and things, you know, that kind of side of things. And I, I just wonder if like, as a dad, sometimes it's, you can be in the survival mode because mm. of that old blueprint of, you know, I've got to be the one working and, you know, I've got to be, I'm, I'll tough it out and, you know, I'll, you know, I'll be okay. And don't very, don't very often open up. In mm -hmm. a place. So maybe the man cave is our place to go and, I know for me, actually, this tangent a little bit from, from that idea, but I'm an introvert. So I need that time on my own in the mm -hmm. man caves, you mm -hmm. know, quote in quotes, mm -hmm. um, to sort of re-energize because I don't get that time because I'm working, family, and even skiing. I want to go and see a friend or whatever. So I, I kind of need that quiet time. Mm -hmm. So there's that aspect of my personality that maybe another guy might be old or woman too would be able to relate to like how, mm -hmm. do you, how do you find that time just to sort of re-energize mm -hmm. so and the other thing we were talking about as well was i was sharing the story of canoeing down the slocan river and the canoe getting swamped and you know taking an unplanned swim with a friend and his kid uh safe in the sense you know everybody has the right equipment you know, it's, we're not going down a grade three or great, even grade two. Like it's just, it's moving water and it's warm and it's summer, beautiful day. And uh, so, yeah, I was just wondering in terms of risk versus safety and, you know, whether you have any sort of 
insight in terms of psychology around are we overprotective now as parents? You know, because I, right now Seth's going to be eight this summer, for example. Now I remember when I was six that I would be able to go off, you know, down the road to the park on my own with my friends. Uh, we'd get a holler when it was lunchtime because we were in sort of voice range, I guess. But yeah, I, I just wonder, I, I feel really overprotective now. The idea of my kid going, I've let him go one block and I can see him when he goes to the gas station to buy the sweeties and the candy. Like I can see him. What age, I, I don't know, what age is appropriate to let your kids go feral in that sense? And are we being overprotective? Like, what's where's the right balance there? If, if we're if we're heading uh, one direction or the other, I think as a least North American society, um, I think it's to being overprotective um, rather than underprotective in many ways. And it's somewhat ironic because um, perhaps we're overprotective on um, physical safety and sometimes underprotective on psychological, emotional um safety um you know when i think about i have to get asked you know is it okay for me to give my kid of x age an iphone my answer is usually a qualified no <laughs> you know depending because there's so much there that can cause so much harm even the good stuff can cause yeah. more harm than good right yeah um and you know there's just there's a cesspool of what kids can access and uh, most parents are far behind. So I always encourage parents, you know, anything from kindergarten on attend those forums at the school that talk about uh, electronics and, you know, have the same apps as the kids. On the other hand, you know, with the physical safety, um, in some ways, the more we know, the safer we can be, right? If we're talking about backcountry skiing, right? Um, we're probably at our most dangerous uh, when we know less. And as we learn more, yeah. um, we realize there's more we should be learning and, you know, people with more experience we should be adventuring with. Right. Um, and similarly with, with kids, I think that um, the more we do with our kids, you know, in the outdoors, um, um, the more we ride the bus with them and then send them the bus on their own. Um, I often find that, um, to kids detriments um, the parents uh, anxieties can can um, hold the kids back um, right, you know, like, <laughs> your story about uh, taking a swim with the kids uh, you know while canoeing um, yeah let's be safe I'm an advocate of life jacks I'm an advocate of flares in the boat I'm an advocate of taking your AST and uh, um you know the avalanche safety training. Yeah. yeah yeah thank you for that uh and and skiing with knowledgeable uh, uh friends in that respect so you can rescue each other and at the same time i'm an advocate for skiing yeah with knowledgeable friends i'm an advocate for canoeing totally. with the kids in the life jack and i'm an advocate for adventuring while buckling the kids into the into the car seat so um yeah, yeah. let's keep playing let's keep playing safety safely and with that we uh, ignite them with our own passions as well as help them from a long, young age make smart decisions, um, you know, in terms of safety that then lead to, you know, a capacity, a skill in developing uh, good decision making, you know, as a life strategy too. Yeah, as a phrase that I've started using with Seth and a friend of mine planted in my head a while back, which was make good decisions. 
this was me a few years ago in Balakula and I would be adventuring. And before I'd ever leave the house of a friend's house, it's a, it's a family, a friend that a friend mm-hmm, of mine. Mm-hmm. And she would always, always say, make good choices, Mr. Blue. And for some reason, it would just always stick in my head. I'd be off scrambling and like checking out a new route or something up in the valley. And so I'm using that because it had such an impact on me. It really stays with me. I use it with Seth now and I'm starting to build that in. It's like, just make good choices. You know, whether it be playing with a friend and sharing uh-huh. and being friendly and being uh-huh. kind uh-huh. or whether it be crossing a road, make good choices uh-huh. you know, so that he starts to take it on himself so that he's uh-huh. not using me as a safety net, I guess. Uh-huh. Absolutely. Cool. Yeah, great. Well, thanks for the feedback. Yeah, you're welcome. It was great chatting with you again, Blue. Thanks for joining us this week on Dad Without Borders. A full list of episodes can be found at dadwithoutborders.com. And for updates, follow on Instagram at Dad Without Borders. You can subscribe to the show in iTunes, Spotify, Google, or radio.com. While you're at it, if you enjoyed listening or you know any dads that might find value in this show, please share the podcast with your friends. Dad Without Borders will be back next week with another dad and further insights with Todd Kettner.